0: Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person
1: starts right now.
0: Hello, and welcome to the Become Your Best podcast and webinar series. I'm Lauren Sweeney and I am your host today. We're excited that you're here to join us to rise up for you and make some changes in your life personally and professionally. Let's dive in with our guest today, Doug Knoll. Well, we're excited. He's also here in California, although a little bit north of us. And he left a successful career as a trial lawyer to become a peacemaker. His calling is to serve humanity and he executes the calling at many levels. Friends, he's an award-winning author, teacher, trainer, and a highly experienced meditator. I love that. His work carries him from international work to helping people resolve deep interpersonal and ideological conflicts to training life inmates to be peacemakers and meditators, even in maximum security prisons. Wow. We're excited to talk with him today and have some new thoughts. Doug, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Lauren. Great to be here.
0: So glad. So tell us this journey from trial lawyer to moving into creating massive impact and massive change on the planet.
1: Yeah, I uh, took up the martial arts in the 1980s, about midway through my trial. the years I was a trial lawyer. And eventually I got my secondary black belt and my teacher kicked me out because I was too arrogant, too much of an asshole, (laughs) dangerous to people. And he said, go learn Tai Chi. Don't come back until you master Tai Chi. And that was a death sentence because you never mastered Tai Chi. But Tai Chi has two really interesting paradoxes. The first is the softer you are, the stronger you are. And the more vulnerable you are, the more powerful you are. And so I started studying Tai Chi. It's the oldest of all martial arts. And it's also the deadliest of all martial arts. Most people don't know that. When you study it as a martial art, it is really deadly so those paradoxes sort of soaked into me over a number of years and some years later i was trying a case and the courtroom and the thought came to me what the heck am i doing in here yeah. so i would had a vacation planned and uh on that river trip up in idaho i thought about how many people had really served as a trial lawyer and concluded that being a trial lawyer really was not my calling but i didn't know what to do so when i came back and was driving down out of the mountains where I live uh, into my office, I heard uh, the one and only public service announcement for a new master's degree program in peacemaking and conflict studies offered at President Pacific University. And so ultimately I enrolled. Uh, mid-career in my late 40s, I was a full-time master's degree student, uh, three-quarters time law professor, and a full-time trial lawyer. Wow. The master's degree program really changed me. Uh, I had some brilliant teachers, mentors, and ultimately, I concluded that being a lawyer was being a trial lawyer was not effective for me. So I um, had long, a lot of many and long discussions with my partners. At the end of the day, we couldn't agree. And so I just walked. I just got up and left. I gave a week's notice and walked away. I did everything I told my clients never to do. You know, no, no money in the bank, no business plan, <laughs> nothing. I just said, screw it. And it was the best decision I ever made. Uh, so that's how it started. And uh, I am, uh, these days, I'm still a full-time mediator and arbitrator a neutral in legal disputes, but I also uh, work in all kinds of other different kinds of conflicts, family business conflicts, corporate conflicts, community disputes, congregational disputes of all different kinds. And I bring to bear on all of these a set of skills that I've developed over the years that allows me and really anybody else calm any angry person down in less than 90 seconds it's really quite potent and powerful so that's, that's what they
0: amazing. amazing talk to me about that moment when you said forget it i'm out of here a lot of people that are listening are entrepreneurs or they have a dream or they know let's say they're they too are in their 40s they're like well, that'd be crazy to start over, get a new degree. I mean, that's crazy making. Yet there are many people who have that dream. Ah, talk talk us through that.
1: Well, when I enrolled in the master's degree program after the first week, this was in the mid-90s, I, after that first day, I was so taken by what I had learned even in day one that I went into our firm manager's office. Now, I was a senior partner and the second highest earning lawyer in the firm. So I was an asset. And I walked in and I said, John, I need some new business cards. And my business card where it said Douglas E. Noel underneath it said attorney at law, I blew ink through it and put peacemaker. I want some business cards that call me a peacemaker. And he looked and turned white and said, I can't do this. So over the next couple of years, I had a lot of discussions about this. And I proposed a different kind of law practice where we were problem Mm solving. I had a problem solving practice where it would help solve problems rather than mop up the mess like we did in the courtroom. And some of the partners were for it and some were against it. Um, But one partner in particular was really, I think, frightened by what I was proposing. And so one day in uh, late October of 2000, he came into my office and he said, you're not getting any more paychecks until you quit this peacemaking crap. And of course, he had no authority to do that. And I knew it and he knew it, but it was sort of a, you know, lay down. So that was on a Friday afternoon. I went home, told my my wife and my then wife, and we kind of did the numbers and figured out that, hey, I don't have to be there. Uh, we could we can survive comfortably with with what we have for a while, anyways. So I walked in on Monday morning, and I called that lawyer into the. the he was the. I, he was a managing partner at the time. I called him into our firm administrator's office and I said, I quit. And I took out all my keys, credit cards, everything. I, just, well, I quit. I leave. I'll be going on Friday.
0: Wow! And
1: that's how it happened. I left $10 million on the table. $10 million more I left in the firm than I took out. Wow. And uh, I walked away and it was the best decision I ever made. <laughs>
0: I just think so many of our listeners can relate to that. It might not be that they're literally going to leave a firm, might not be they're a lawyer. Maybe they are. But that intuition, that knowing and taking action. See, a lot of people have an intuition or a knowing. They don't listen to it. They don't take action on it. And now they're 20 years older and they're still thinking about it. Right. And that that just, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to stick well, with my values.
1: What happens when you follow your passion like I did and I had the courage to do it was all kinds of new opportunities came up and I've done more things in the last 20 plus years since I left the practice of law than I could have ever imagined on that day, Um, you know, October 28th or what it was, 2000 when I left. I mean, my life has been amazing for the last 20, 20 plus years. Amazing what I've been able to do and, and how many people, I help more people in a week than, I helped in 22 years as a trial lawyer.
0: Wow.
1: It's amazing work. And then the Prison Peace Project started, and that thing has just been amazing. That's turned into one of the most incredible projects of my life. And so for those who are out there, if you're on the fence, jump. You know, it's not about the money. I had the big house, the big car, all the fancy stuff. That You know, that stuff's just not important. I live in a, a, a an unpretentious, beautiful place, but a very small home, 1,100 square feet with my wife on 10 acres in the central Sierra Nevada. And it's absolutely drop dead gorgeous. We, our commute is, my commute is 15 feet into my office. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's oh, it's yeah. incredible. And yeah. I work with people all over the world.
0: Talk and, to me about your book and this peace project.
1: So yeah, the book came from the Prison of Peace Project. So Prison of Peace started in 2010 after uh, my dear friend and colleague, Laurel Coffer, who lives in Southern California Woodland Hills, uh, received the letter from a woman who was serving a life sentence without possibility of parole Mm. in the largest women's prison, the largest, most violent women's prison in the world, which happened to be Valley State Prison for Women in Chowchee, California, about an hour and a half from where I live. And Laurel called me, Lauren and Laurel, how about that? Laurel (laughs) called me and read the letter to me and said, what do you think? And I thought about it. And I said, I think we should do this. And th- so that's how it started. So we started in April of 2010, about eight months later. It took a long time to get permission to do this. And we started with 15 women, all of them lifers and long-termers. Uh, every imaginable ethnicity, age, educational background, you can't believe it. And that's how it started. And it was all pro bono up until we didn't get any money for this until 2017 when the state finally recognized that we were doing some pretty good stuff and started giving us some funding. But uh, and today we we our trainers are all for our former incarcerated students, wow. which is really cool. They've been uh, been released and we hire them back. Uh, so today we're in 15 California prisons, uh, a prison in Connecticut, 14 prisons in 12 prisons in Greece. And we've got startups in Milan. Um Niger, I mean, uh, Kenya, Nairobi. Wow. And we, the pandemic, of course, shut down the project from going in. So we put together a whole distance learning program, which we've involved about four or 5,000 inmates uh, in that program. And we took the time this year to, to digitize our entire curriculum. So it's all on film. Wow. And next year, Prison of Peace will be available worldwide. And amazing. we will train people how to do the training, how to use the how to use the video lessons. About forty hours of uh, video uh, lessons, and how to use it w- in a prison environment. And so, so we're pretty excited about that. This is going to really explode, I think.
0: That's amazing. And so, the program, what does it essentially do for
1: we people take we teach um, long term and life. Uh, incarcerated people serving these long sentences, how to be peacemakers and mediators mm. to stop prison violence. And wow. and, and they do it. it. I mean, we've gotten letters from wardens in just about every prison we've worked in, not quite everyone, but most of them writing saying prison of peace was, did a remarkable job of quieting down the yard you were working on. Wow. And we worked We worked with the worst of the worst. Uh, I spent three, before the pandemic broke, I was working in Corcoran State Prison, which is a level four prison like Pelican Bay. It's one of the two max super max prisons, working with men who were coming out of gangs. And the first time I met them, they were shackled and in cages. And they were all, came from extremely violent lives. And oh. I, they were the most, they were amazing to work with. Amazing. Uh-huh amazing
0: the transformation that oh. you're able to see it you can't just, believe it uh, i mean i could just i'm getting chills just you know sitting here listening to it and then the impact it has for them the people that they they touch right. and beyond and now it's international not just in california but in the other countries that you mentioned
1: right and and it's uh, that's what led to the book so so they all knew i was an author i'd written three books at the, i was in fact at, at, in 2000 Ten, eleven. i was involved in my getting my third book done elusive Peace*, and uh they started asking me "Would you please write us a book that we can share with our families wow so i thought about it and said sure so i knocked the book out in about six weeks and we sold it my agent sold it to simon and schuster quickly and i turned the final manuscript in in february of No, I'm sorry. Thanks. Right after Thanksgiving in 2016. And then in February of 2017, my agent called me and said uh, they've decided to fast track this book and they're going to put it out in September of 2017. Fastest book they've ever released because the president of Atria read it and and said, this is amazing. We've got to get this book out. So it was it came out in September of 2017. And. uh, It's done well, I mean. I'm pleased with how it's done. My other three books did not do well. This book's done well.
0: <laughs> you hear that all the time, right? From authors. And it's about trying and then and then trying again. Even in your story, that you worked pro bono for many years until it was even recognized as a story. Right. Most people won't last that long. They give up. I also think it's interesting that I talk to a lot of people who want to write a book or who wrote a book, and it took a few years. Six weeks, you knocked it out. So I also really hear you just have clarity of vision. You have clarity, and you take action. What would you say to somebody who's just not doing that?
1: Well, I would say that if if you ha- if you have the desire to be an author, a book author, and you're finding that you can't, you, it's just not happening. Too many things are getting in the way. You probably aren't motivated enough. You should mm-hmm. probably give up that dream until you're s- supremely motivated. Yeah. And if you are writing, we all get into places where we get blocks, where you just, what am I going to write about now? And what I've learned in writing, authoring four books and a number of chapters in other books is that whenever I get blocked, it's because I don't know enough. So I have to go out and start researching and reading and studying until I've got the knowledge that I need in order to continue on. Now I'm a nonfiction writer, not a fiction writer. So it it would be different for a, probably for a fiction writer, but, but the, but the key is to not let stuff get in the way. When I make a decision to write a book, I write the book. And it's a very uh, organized process of doing a ton of research, scope research, you know, going out onto Amazon, who else has written on this topic? How is this book doing commercially? What are these people missing? What are they saying is good? What are they they completely missing? What value can I add in writing another book? How am I going to market this book? Do I want this published by a mainline publisher or am I willing to self-publish it myself? And, you know, I've got a whole list. I've got a whole framework, a flowchart of what you do. And then outline it, detailed outline. Do all the research. Get it all nailed down. And then the writing takes care of itself. You You can write. I could easily write 5000 words. I average about 5000 words a day. And then and then you know the book writes itself if you're well prepared. But that writing the book is only 1% of the process. <laughs> it's marketing. Cuz yeah. it's no good to write a book, you know, there are 90,000 plus titles published every year in the United States. Nobody's ever heard of any of them. And so If you're, especially if you're an unknown author, like I am relatively unknown compared to many people, uh, you've got to get out there. So what's your marketing plan going to be? It's all, the book is just the product and now you got to sell it and you got to make people aware of it. And that's where the real work and effort is. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a good point. A lot of people it spend so much time procrastinating on the book and that's not even the thing. That's and not that even really- the thing.
1: And most yeah. people will write a book and they'll sell three or 400 copies in the first week and they say, oh, this is really cool. And then they won't sell another copy for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Because they're not marketing. They're just expecting that people are going to do this. No, 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 people don't do that. I mean, we, on DeEscalate, we, when we knew we were going to have a fast turnaround, we created an audio book. My wife read the audio book. And so we were able to have have it on Audible at the same time the book release and on Kindle. So it was a multi-channel. And, you know, I I, in that time period, I was probably on 150 different podcasts and radio shows touting the book. I love it. A lot of work.
0: A lot of work. Well, this relates to everyone listening that wants to start a business or wants to have their business be more successful. It's the marketing, not just the ideas, but having that clarity and then going for it. I like what you said too. You know what? Really? If you're not motivated enough, just wait. Don't torture yourself taking 10 years to write it. Maybe just wait and then have clarity and then boom, chick, make it happen. Right. I love that. Tell me what we can find if we go to your website, Doug. And if you're listening to the audio version here, it's DougKnoll, N-O-L-L dot C-O, slash Rise Up. And tell us what we can find there.
1: So what I've created is a web page on my website. This is really a bitly link. My actual website is dugnoll.com, But on this particular page, dugnoll.co slash Rise Up, a free ebook that talks about all of my de-escalation skills and how to use them. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can buy a copy of deescalate on that page. You can also buy and enroll in one of my online courses on how to deescalate an angry person. I have a video course on that. And for those people who really want to dive deep, I I give a 50% discount off a fairly expensive course on how to develop your own emotional competency and become Mm -hmm. emotionally intelligent through using these skills.
0: So many different gifts from freebies to 50% off to
1: whatever you want to do.
0: Download for everybody, the whole gamut. I love that. So you can visually see it on our Facebook page live, Doug slash rise up. If you're listening on all of our platforms. Well, Doug, we love to ask a question at the end for all of our guests. What does rise up for you mean to you?
1: Hmm. I think, I think what it means for me is to, um, follow your passion don't be afraid or if you are afraid just push through it and and be patient and persistent and disciplined and enjoy the ride because yeah. great things will happen
0: yeah oh, i love that be persistent and passionate and enjoy it and enjoy the ride yeah great things it's the journey
1: happen. that's important not the not the end of the road
0: And the journey and what I've heard you say so much today in alignment with who you know yourself to be or who you want to become.
1: That helps a lot. (laughs) You know, I didn't start out this way. I mean, even when I left the practice of law, I still had a lot of growing to do. And I was, you know, just turned 50 and I still had a huge amount of emotional baggage to work through and taken years to get through all of that. But, you know, if I'd stayed as a lawyer, I would have never had the courage to work through all of that. And I would be a very different person than I am today.
0: Yeah. By moving and shifting and changing inside of your career, it forced you to become a different person, perhaps become the person that you wanted to become, but you were in kind of a kiln, if you will, to make that happen.
1: Right. And and I've never been happier. I didn't think happiness like this was even possible in the world. And I'm married to an amazing woman and our marriage is incredible. And, I live in a beautiful place on beautiful land and financially we're comfortable. We don't want for anything and we have what we need and, but we don't aspire to be multi-billionaires and life is perfect. We're, we're both right. in incredible health and it's, it, it's amazing. And, you know, when you're younger, you don't appreciate that as much. And so you chase the dollar, you chase the career, you chase the status you chase buying a, the big car, the fancy car, the Mercedes or the infinity or whatever. And, but none of that stuff's important. Yeah. And I remember Sage's speaking to me about that when I was younger and I just, I didn't get it. But when you get older, you realize the truth of it. And then all of a sudden life is good.
0: Wow. I love that. It's very touching. Absolutely. Well, thank you for the impact that you're making and the incredible lives that are being changed and just, even just for yourself and your wife, it matters.
1: Yeah, yeah I'm I, I'm very grateful.
0: I love it. Well, it was great to have Doug on the podcast today. Amazing conversation and definitely check out his website. Thank you for being here today, showing up for yourself to become your best. We would love to give you a gift of a free confidence kit. You can text us the word confidence to 949-416-0671 or visit our website riseupforyou.com slash confidence for our free six videos and workbook. Thank you for being here today. I'm Lauren Sweeney. I'm your host, and I will see you on the next podcast.